0: Convoy of Hope. Today I want to say thank you so much for enabling Convoy of Hope to help children just like these. Your participation in One Day to Feed the World makes it possible for these precious kids to wake up every morning, come to school, to learn about Jesus, to learn how to read and write, and also to receive food. You're providing the food that these children receive every single day. Their lives are changing. You are giving them a future because you've chosen to participate in One Day to Feed the World. Thank you for caring. Thank you for giving. And know this, you are making a huge difference in the lives of so many kids just like these. Good to see you today. We uh, partner every year with Convoy of Hope and in particular the program One Day to Feed the World. This will be, I forget how many years we've done this now, but every year we set aside a weekend where we give people an opportunity. Uh, Here's how it works. We ask people to prayerfully consider figuring out what they make in one day based on whatever, however you want to figure that your, your wages, your salary. And then on this weekend, we bring one day's worth of wages to give to this offering called one day to feed the world and all of that money goes to either Convoy of Hope, which feeds well over 90,000 children every single day around the world. They also are first responders to uh, catastrophes around the world. And, And then a portion of it stays here in our local community where we serve the needs of people right here in Fort Collins. And so we just want to encourage you to think and pray and talk as a family, as a couple. The weekend we've set aside is September 17 and 18. And that's the weekend we'll actually take the offering And so be thinking, praying about that, what God might have you do. Hey, we're going to try something different today. I want you to just take out your wallet um, or your purse, look around you, and find someone that you don't know very well. And just give it to them and ask them to hold it until the service is over. If you would. Why are you laughing? Some of you are thinking, you know, you told me to shake hands and I did that. I even did it with a smile, but don't talk about my money. (laughs) Why are we like that? Because that I mean our wallet that's personal and and There's access to like money there or or maybe debt for some of us But there's access to you know cash for those of you that still actually carry cash and You know debit cards and credit cards and we that is an area you just don't mess with you know There are people who don't even like that you talk about that in church but we're in a series called fit for the journey Right. And we're talking about what it might look like to become spiritually fit Um, in, in, in Colorado. You know, we're crazed with physical fitness. And so we began to think, what would it look like if we were determined to become spiritually fit? So we're really talking about spiritual formation being shaped into the image of Jesus. And you can't talk about spiritual formation without talking about money. Did you know that the Bible has well over 2,000 references to money and stuff, possessions, are things? I mean, it's talked about a lot. In fact, Jesus spoke about that subject more than any other one single issue, about our money and the role that money has in our lives. And so you, it, it would be like going to your physical trainer and saying, I want to get physically fit, but I don't want to sweat and I don't want to change how I eat. Okay? Good luck with that. All right, that that's how it would be to say let's talk about spiritual formation and not deal with the role money plays in our lives And so i've called the message today. I called the message the the money mirror And here's why because jesus said something really interesting about money Jesus said this and i'm going to draw for you today because i'm known around here as quite an artist And so you can even attempt, if you want to draw this on the space provided in your bulletin, afterwards we're going to auction this off for Convoy of Hope. I will autograph it for you. (laughs) Alright, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now that's an interesting thought, isn't it? That says a lot. That little picture there says a lot to us about the fact that our treasure can actually serve in a way as a mirror to give us a reflection of our heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because there, there are two things I would suggest, and money's probably the number one. There are two things that reflect better than anything else what our priorities are. And where we true what we truly value it's our money and it's our time how we spend money how we invest money how we think about money and how we invest our time and think about our time gives us a reflection of where our heart truly is at and so today what we're going to do we're going to look at a story in the new testament an encounter that jesus had with a guy where he had to look squarely in the mirror the money mirror because jesus turned it and showed him himself In this mirror, but as we go through this, here's what I want you to think in your head in your mind I want you to keep in your mind. What does it mean for me to look in that mirror? I want to invite you to look into that mirror today Okay, now that's a dangerous request because once we look in the mirror We become accountable for what we see Okay, and the thing I love about God so much is that God does not require us to jump through any hoops to come to him He meets us right where we are, but he will not let us stay where we are He wants to mold us and shape us and form us. And part of the way he does that is he takes a mirror and he shows us truly ourselves when sometimes we can't see it. And so we're going to look in the mirror today. All right? Now, let's look at this story. It's a familiar story. If you've been around church for very long, you've probably heard the story. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. If you have a Bible with you, otherwise you can follow along on the screen. Let's read the story. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him good teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good answered Jesus no one is good except God alone you know the commandments do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not give false testimony do not defraud honor your mother and or your father and mother teacher he declared all these I have kept since I was a boy Jesus looked at him and loved him one thing you lack he said go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me at this the man's face fell he went away sad because he had great wealth he looked ar- jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of god The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God now who is this guy in our story there's a few things we can know about him. there's some things we don't know we don't know his name for example but there are a few things we can know about this guy Matthew's account of this story tells us that this guy was young he was a young guy so I figure he was probably about 46 next next year it'll be 47 because that's kinda what young is (laughs) so so this guy he's a young guy Luke in Luke's account of the story, it says that he was a ruler, so he's in a position of authority and power. He's a leader. Okay, he's in a in a place of influence. We know that he's wealthy. That's clear from the story. He has a lot of assets. He has a lot of money. All right. In fact, if you've been around church very long, you know that there is a title that has been given to this guy, and that title he is known as the rich young ruler. How many have heard that? term before yeah most of us all right this is the rich young ruler that we're talking about well he's not just wealthy and young and in leadership we also know that he's religious he's very religious he has worked hard since the time he was a young boy at keeping the law doing his best to keep the law and he's eager to learn more about God and to learn more about eternal life we know that he was sincere in his quest for truth now a lot of religious people who asked Jesus questions weren't sincere. They were trying to trap him and trick him into saying something so they could bring charges against him. This guy was sincere. It says when he approached Jesus, he actually bowed down before him. Not necessarily to worship him, but in respect, to honor The fact that this is a rabbi, this is a teacher, and he even approached him as good teacher, which was a a, a common uh, way to greet someone of Jesus' stature, a rabbi, someone who taught. So this guy is sincere. He doesn't have a hidden agenda. He actually wants to learn more about eternal life, and, and, and somehow he thinks Jesus is the guy who can help him discover that. So think about how we would view this guy. Just think about the average person seeing this guy's reflection in the mirror. Here is a young guy yet. He he's experienced great success in his life He's he's a ruler So he's already in leadership even at his young age. He's become very wealthy. He's probably wise beyond his years He's climbed the ladder whatever ladder it is in his vocation. He's climbed it pretty quickly All right, and so he's made a good life now It appears he hasn't done that by deceiving people or stealing from people. He, he's a pretty good guy He's worked hard at keeping the law. He values that. He's tried to live an upright life in front of all the people around him. This is an all-around good guy. And yet in spite of all of his success, he knows deep down somewhere in his heart that something is missing in his life. As successful as, he, as he's been, as religious as he's been, he still doesn't have the assurance in his heart of eternal life. He's still seeking something. And his question to Jesus is an interesting question. I think it gives us insight into this guy and the way he's wired. His question to Jesus is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This guy is a doer. I mean, you just get the feeling when you read his biography, this guy has been doing his whole life. He's worked hard at his religion. He's worked hard at his vocation. He's every time he's been given a mountain to climb, he climbs it. And so he comes to Jesus and there's this missing piece in his life. And he says, tell me what it is that I need to do. And I will do it because that's what I do. I do it. I get it done. You tell me what mountain I need to climb and I'll climb that mountain. And So Jesus plays along with the whole idea of him doing In a world of doing See Jesus understands if you want to live in the world of doing then you got to do it all and you got to do it Perfectly if you want to be saved by keeping the law you have to keep all of the law perfectly So Jesus plays along with this whole idea and he says basically we'll keep the commandments And he gives him a few of those commandments that he needs to keep All right, and the man says well. I've been doing that since I was a boy I don't think he was trying to deceive Jesus. I don't think he was hiding some deep, dark secret. He's just saying, look, since I was a kid, I've been working hard at this. I've been keeping those. I still, to this day, I keep those commandments. So Jesus takes out the mirror and he shows this guy himself. And he looks squarely into this mirror. I love how he begins this conversation. Verse 21, we already read it, but in verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that it says that because that gives us insight into Jesus' heart for this guy. It gives us insight into Jesus' heart for you and me. Aren't you thankful that Jesus loves poor people and rich people? He loves people whose life has become a great success, and he loves people who their whole life for whatever reason has been a struggle. He loves us all, all of us. So he looks at this guy, and then he tells him the truth because that's what love does. When we really love someone we tell them the truth and so jesus is going to tell them the truth He turns the mirror around so that he can see it Uh, Verse 21 says and it won't be on the screen, but just listen. He looked at him and loved him and then jesus said to him There's one thing you lack There's one thing that you lack Go sell everything you have Give to the poor and then you're gonna have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me One thing you lack jesus says matthew's account says if you want to be perfect that word "perfect" means complete. If you want to be complete, and the guy knew he wasn't complete, that's why he came to Jesus asking the question. If you want to be complete, just sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you just, then just come follow me. So now we read that and we ask ourselves the question: Does that mean the way to eternal life is we sell everything we have and we give it to the poor? No, that's not what's being communicated. That's not the requirement for every follower of Jesus. Just sell everything you have, and then that gets you in. Okay, in fact, this is the only record we have of Jesus saying this to a rich guy. It's the only time we have record of that. That Jesus tells this guy to sell everything he has and give it to the poor. Jesus is communicating to this guy that he needs to live for something bigger. For something greater. That he needs to live, he needs to store for himself treasures in heaven instead of clinging to the treasures that he has on this earth. So his response to what Jesus says is that the man's face fell... And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus had shown him himself. The man was staring right into this money mirror. And as successful as he was, as smart as he was, as religious as he was, he was still a prisoner to his wealth. And what the man hadn't realized is that he had broken the first commandment, which was you should have no other gods before you, because money had become his god. It was his God and Jesus showed him that in this 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 metaphorical mirror Selling everything he had and giving it to the poor would not save him. It was in the following Jesus that would lead to salvation But in order to follow Jesus we have to surrender Jesus said if anyone would come after me must deny himself take up his cross and follow me and this man was not willing To Surrender his wealth to God. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. It's impossible. You can't serve God and money You got to pick one you're really only going to serve one. Will it be God or money and this man chose money To serve because he couldn't surrender so money itself was not really the issue for Jesus. It was the issue for this guy There are plenty of people in scripture that God blessed with wealth but for this guy, money had taken a position in his heart that was inappropriate, and Jesus knew it, so Jesus went right to the heart of the issue. It had become his master and his God. So now think about what happened here in this story. Here's this man, a genuine seeker of truth. All right? He did his best to keep the laws, he understood it. He believed that Jesus spoke truth and could help him in this quest for eternal life, and when he heard what Jesus said, he went away sad. Because He knew he couldn't give up his wealth anything else. He, he would have done it. He would have parted with it, but not his money and Jesus knew it. So Jesus went right to the heart of it see because in the kingdom of heaven We've talked about this before in the kingdom of heaven. God owns everything and we are his stewards So everything we have we merely are called to steward not possess so we hold everything with an open hand and allow God to do and use whatever he chooses to use in our lives That's the principle of the kingdom. This guy was clinging to his wealth. So this story illustrates to us how the the kind of power that money can have over our lives. For this guy, it had so much power over his life that he was willing to let go of eternal life in order to cling to it. Jesus understood that. That's why Jesus talked about money more than any other single issue. Because he knew the power that money and stuff and things can have over our lives Jesus said an interesting thing to the disciples. He said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle Than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. Now. What does that mean? Well, there are a couple different opinions one opinion is that that was a common saying in that culture that you would that you would respond when someone would say something that was impossible for example if you came up to me in today and you said I believe that the Broncos will win the Super Bowl this year I might say to you it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for, <laughs> although they looked pretty good last night I'll give them that so it's just it's just like a saying that you that you would say you know like when pigs fly it's kinda of that kind of a statement another another idea that some have said is that in, in that day many cities were what they called fortified cities That mean that meant they had a wall around them like a big wall You could put a chariot on top of some of these walls and it was for protection during the day These big gates would be open for people to come and go but at night They would close those gates and so the only way to enter the city was through a smaller door that they called the needles eye. and it is said that when someone traveling would come at night and, they, and many times they traveled with camels. The only way to get into the city with the camel was to take all the stuff off the camel. And the camel would somehow have to be coaxed to get down on his knees and like crawl through this smaller door. And so there's this picture of humility. It's a great picture. Whatever the case, whatever, whatever metaphor is correct, the point is, is pretty clear. It is difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, the implication is that it's impossible. Now, to make this statement, what Jesus is saying, and the truth is it's impossible for anyone, rich or poor, apart from God, it's impossible. But this statement was rocking the world of these disciples, because these disciples lived in a world and in a mindset where if anybody gets in, it's the rich guy. Because somehow wealth was associated with the favor of God. And so when they hear it, they're thinking, if a rich guy can't get in... What does that mean for the rest of us? How could we ever get in? Because we know wealth is associated with, with God's favor and God's blessing, but it certainly wasn't in, in this guy's life. So Jesus is helping them understand a completely different view of the kingdom. Now, the reality is that you don't have to be rich for money and things to have a, a power over your life. I, I know people who are very wealthy by today's standards who hold everything with an open hand. It's all God's. And God continues to bless him and they continue to say God you use it however you want I also have known people who have very little and yet they cling to what they have for dear life and They're consumed with what they don't have Amounts really aren't the issue. The issue is what place does money hold in your heart and in your life? Does it have power over you? so What do you see? When you look into the money mirror? What happens when we begin to confront the rich young ruler in us See an interesting thing about this guy's life I believe is that he was hiding behind in probably two of the greatest hiding spots there are He was hiding the true condition of his heart behind two things success And religion Those are two of the greatest places to hide behind success and religion, religious activity in particular. Think about it. When you are successful, when things are going well, you don't very often look inside and and do self-evaluation. And Think critically about your own life. We say that for times when times are tough, but when things are going well In fact, there's a little thing in our mind that sometimes says if if things were wrong on the inside I wouldn't be experiencing so much success on the outside. So things must be okay Because even in our culture we have a tendency to associate success with God's favor and that's not always the case Not always it certainly wasn't for this guy Religious activity is another great place to hide the true condition of our heart and we can check off all the things on the list and still be far from God That's what we see with the Pharisees the man in this story was trying real hard to keep the law But the truth is he had completely missed the first commandment money was his God Pharisees worked hard at keeping the letter of the law, but they were so far from the heart of God It's amazing how easy it is for us to drift away from God and all the while be very busy with religious stuff So really the call to confront the rich young ruler in us is a call to live authentically before God It's a call to be real. It's a call to surrender To be transparent before God and let him show us how in the areas where we live for temporal things instead of eternal things. Let me just close with this last story. Yesterday afternoon, I was at uh, Denver International Airport and I was there to welcome back some really good friends of ours. They actually live in Colorado Springs. We've known them for many years and, and they're dear friends. They come and stay with us often and, and it is always a great joy when they do. So we went. my wife and I went to DIA to welcome them back um, and to meet for the very first time their 15-month-old son, whose name is Briggs, that they just adopted from Ethiopia. And they just brought him back on the plane. So we got to meet him for the first time. The most amazing little kid you can imagine. And, and there were all lots of yells and shouts and tears and laughter. And it was just a great big party right there in the middle of DIA. Um, Because we had journeyed with them. Lots of us had journeyed with them for the last two years. It was 28 months ago they first filled out an application to apply to adopt a child from Ethiopia. And over the last two years there have been ups and downs and, and huge challenges of raising unbelievable amounts of money to pay for all of this. It involved a trip where they had to go out to ethiopia. They met their little guy Briggs They got to hold him They got to play with him only to have to say goodbye and leave him there and come back to the United States to wait on Visas and all the other stuff at one point the government shut down the adoption process and they wondered were they're even going to be Able to follow through and, and be able to bring him home and lots of tears and lots of prayers and this big journey and finally it culminated Yesterday at DIA when we got to see him and hold him and all of that kind of stuff, but when they got to Ethiopia, the first day that they actually passed little Briggs to his new mom Becky, they they took video of that and they sent that video, and my wife and I watched it. And we're bawling our eyes out, but we, we, I can still see when the, the director of the orphanage took little Briggs and handed him to Becky, and Becky took him, and the, the director walked away, and Briggs burst into tears. He's crying. He's reaching for the director of the orphanage, and poor Becky, she's holding him. Her eyes are like, you know, real big, going, what have we done? Oh, no. And, you know, trying to calm him down, and, and as, as the day progressed, he became calm, and, and you, could just, you could almost see just in this little video clips the bonding that's beginning to happen and 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 at the end of the day the dad mark you know he's laying on the pillow in the hotel room and his eye barely keep his eyes open and briggs is sitting next to him and you know his head's doing one of these he can't keep his eyes open and the last shot of the day they're both sound asleep facing each other on these pillows and it's just a priceless priceless moment but i'm watching this video with my wife crying my eyes out and the, and, and it hits me this is such a picture of, of god and us it's an amazing picture to me because the reality is, Scripture tells us that God adopted us as his own. God, the creator of the universe. I mean, my parents were here last night, and I teased them last night in saying that, you know, they decided to have a child, but they got what they got. You know, they didn't really pick me. I'm what came out. And so, you know, welcome to parenting, all right? So they didn't get to pick, but, but they got to pick Briggs. They chose Briggs. God adopted us. And he didn't just spend two years of ups and downs and some tears and having to raise a lot of money. He spent thousands of years pursuing humanity because we rejected him. And he sent prophet after prophet and the people just killed the prophets. Until finally he sent his only son, God in the flesh, clothes himself in humanity and comes and we killed him too. But God raised him from the dead. That's what he did in order to be able to reconcile us to himself, to adopt us into his kingdom, not as just slaves of his kingdom, but as children. He's chosen us to be his children. He adopted us. And I'm watching this picture, and here's little Briggs. He's passed off to Becky, and he's crying for the director of the orphanage. And I'm thinking to myself, this poor little guy has no idea how much this couple loves him they have no idea no idea of the tears that they've cried the depth of love that's going to embrace this little guy the home that they're going to create for this little guy he just has no idea no idea what it means to be moved from an orphanage in ethiopia to live in the united states of america in colorado the greatest place in the world no idea no idea and because he doesn't grasp it He reaches back for what's familiar. And I thought of this story. Here's a guy who grasps earthly wealth because he doesn't fully grasp what God offers in adopting him as a son to be part of his kingdom. And I think of my own life and the stuff that I cling to and I grasp the things of this earth not recognizing The depth of the love that God has for me that he would adopt me as his own and what it means to live in his presence in his kingdom It's like we grasp for a garbage dump when God offers us a palace That's why I think in Ephesians if you read the book of Ephesians the letter that Paul wrote to this church Paul prays a prayer for them and he writes the prayer down and in that prayer part of that prayer was I pray that you will somehow grasp the height of and the depth and the width of God's love. That somehow you would be able to grasp this infinite love that God has for you, because if you could grasp that love, you wouldn't cling to the things of this earth. You would cling to Him. You would embrace Him. You would pursue Him. And so as we close our time together this morning, I just wonder, are you here today hiding the true condition of your heart? Maybe behind your success, maybe behind religious activity, maybe behind something else. But the true condition of your heart, as the Spirit of God has reflected a mirror to you today, is that you're clinging to the things of this earth rather than clinging to Him. If that's true, my prayer today is that somehow God would help you grasp the height and the depth and the width of His amazing love for you so that you can realize how crazy it would be to cling to anything more than you would cling to Him. Would you bow your heads with me, please? God, I am personally overwhelmed by the amount of understanding I have, which I know is is limited, of Your great love for me. just like little Briggs I know sometimes in my life I cling to stuff whatever it is material things money maybe old patterns old habits a lifestyle whatever an addiction and it's so silly when I really begin to think about the depth of your love for me and what you've invited me to in your kingdom yet our tendency is still there. And Lord, for some in this room today, for the very first time in their life, the truth of your love is coming alive in them. Your Spirit's revealing it to them. And for the very first time, they're turning from living for themselves, from hiding behind whatever they've hid behind. And they're, they're, they're becoming real with you and receiving the forgiveness that's made available to them only because of Jesus. And confessing you as King. Lord Lord we sang the song earlier you're Lord of all that includes our heart our thoughts our mind our life thank you God today for new beginnings in the hearts of some people and thank you for those God who have courageously looked in the mirror and not turned away but paused to allow your spirit to speak to them and now we're saying yes to whatever it is you want to do in them to turn from living for whatever that was thank you for the wonderful gift of repentance the opportunity to change we submit to you god we just can't believe how much you love us it's overwhelming but we receive it and we respond by offering you all of us because you're trustworthy you are our father who is in heaven you're of a different world. You're not an earthly father. Some of us had really bad earthly fathers. Some of us had great earthly fathers, but not perfect. You are an otherworldly father. Perfect in every way. And you chose us. You didn't get stuck with us. You chose us to be your own. Thank you for that, God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Join me in thanking you. We love you, God. Let me just tell you two things as you go. Some of you may be here and you're saying, man, my finances are a mess. Maybe as a result of choices others have made, maybe as a result of your own choices. Let me just encourage you. We are beginning some new classes, Financial Peace University. There's a table in the mall where you can sign up. It will help you get on a budget, figure out how to deal with debt, all of the stuff. That's such a challenge in the culture in which we live. So stop by that table before you go. Great opportunity. Then one other thing, if you live in Windsor, next week, next weekend is the Harvest Festival at Windsor. It's a great event for the town of Windsor. We have a float in the parade there. And then also next Sunday at 10 o'clock, they have asked our team, Pastor Reza, who's our campus pastor for our Windsor venue that's going to be opening up our worship teams uh, to do a service at Main Park at 10 o'clock next Sunday. So if you live in Windsor, I'll write you a note to be excused from Timberline Church. And, uh, and go be a part of the worship service there at Main Park in Windsor. It's going to be a great celebration. All right, I love you. God bless you. If you want prayer, both auditoriums, we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Have a wonderful day.